leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Today is CISO Thursday, where we share the experience from leaders in our community on how we can attract, retain, and develop talent for the future. Today, our guest host is our guest is um, Dr. Joseph Bert Miller. Uh, he's joining us from the the from CISA. Um, Dr. Joseph, you want to give us a little background about yourself and uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, sure. So um, I'll, I'll just make a minor correction. I, I am uh, with the Department of Homeland Security. So, well, you're close. It's uh, kind of in the same family. But no, um, yes, I am. Uh, I'm a proud New Yorker from Mount Vernon, New York, uh, originally. Um, currently reside uh, in Maryland. I'm in the DMV. I um Air Force veteran, four years in the Air Force. Um, then after that, just went uh, government uh, civil service. Pretty much, I'd say my entire, I guess, working career is pretty much government work. So, and I bounced around, gone to different uh, different areas, and um, you know, just learning experience. You know, great learning experience. Each stop I've I've made along my career. Um, but no, and also with that, I, I I do enjoy my time giving back. I spend, I, I believe, Professor Roger could attest to even the work that we do currently and uh, working with uh, those that want to get into the field, where they, you know, create home labs, doing study sessions, things of that nature. That's part of one of the things that I really do enjoy the most is helping helping others, you know, get that development and achieve the goals that they want to achieve as it pertains to cybersecurity. Well, sometimes we, we get a lot of, we have a lot of veterans in our audience. Um, tell us about your transition from the military uh, to, I guess, public sector and how you went about doing that. Um, quick overview. 
Yes. So, yeah. So I, so as I said, I did four years in the air force. I, um, I guess a little bit of a story with that. I'll, I'll try to be quick. I actually had aspirations to stay in the air force. Uh, but during that time they were doing uh, something called like force shaping. If I remember that's correct. Uh, but basically what that was is I had to choose whether to stay in my current, my current uh, AFSC or, or my career field. And at, at that time I wasn't doing IT. I was in um, uh, HVAC, uh, heat and ventilation, air conditioning. Um, so I was doing that in the Air Force. So I had to choose whether to stay to to go to a different career field or to uh, honorable discharge. Um, and, and honestly, at the time, I didn't really think about doing anything else or what, what was in my mind. I was like, oh, man, I want to go to tech school again. So I was like, I'll just get up. Um, yeah, so after that, I my first uh, government civilian job was working at the Department of Veterans Affairs in uh, East Orange, New Jersey, still doing HVAC at that time. Uh, I spent uh, at least what, about six, six and a half years there. And maybe at least four or five years in, I was studying for my bachelor's um, in uh, computer information systems with uh, St. Leo University. And um, so as I was studying, I, I noticed there were, there were positions that were open that were being offered. Um, so I was applying as far as for, for IT, IT positions that, that were, uh, or IT position offerings. So I, I was applying and um, I will tell you, I did not, it was, a, it was a struggle because I, I did not get it on my first try. It, I almost, to be honest with you, I almost gave up because uh, I, I received a lot of rejections. I was probably, I didn't break through until probably like my eighth or ninth try. Um, and, you know, and once I did break through, it was that much more rewarding because I knew it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, I had a great uh, supervisor. Uh, he, so yeah, he was my first uh, IT supervisor and he gave me a lot of leeway. He gave me a lot of room to grow, to learn. Um, he allowed me to experiment with stuff. I, I don't think a, a lot of people would, or maybe a lot of supervisors would have the patience to do. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that because that helped me in my development. He gave me a lot of great advice. He always told me to, you know, uh, you know, work on my certifications. Um, he, uh, he, he has such an impact. So, so significant in, in my career that, you know, even to this day, and, you know, I still keep up with him. I, he's, he's retired now. Uh, I think he's in Florida, but, uh, no, I still keep up with him. You know, every every stop I've made along my career, I let him know. I'll give him updates and let him know how I'm doing because, and, and that really told that really taught me how how valuable a great leader is, how much of an impact uh, a a supervisor can have in your life. And I think that's what that's the true meaning of to me what a supervisor is supposed to do. It's not so much to say that they're your boss. Um, Yes, you, you do respect that authority, but at the same time, I, I believe a, a great supervisor, in my view, is one that could teach and lead and genuinely wants to see your development and to see you grow and not try to hold you back. I have, I've had experiences where, uh, where I've had supervisors that, you know, they don't, they don't want you to go anywhere or try to keep you down because it, it's making them look good. 
um, you know, that that's not great either because that's 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 stunting your growth. Um, so, no, yeah, I, I definitely learned a lot from um, uh, from him, and you know, I kept that kept that in mind as, as I moved on and as every stop that I've made. Um, from from there, I went on to um, where did I go? I, I well, the the VA in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and from there, I stopped at the uh, uh, Offutt Air Force Base, uh, yeah, out there in Omaha. Uh, came back to the East Coast, uh, worked at the uh, DOD uh, Cybercrime Center, um, in, at least in Lithica Heights, Maryland, and um, lead up to where I am now, Department of Homeland Security, uh, where at first I was working with uh, uh, biometrics, uh, as a biometrics, uh, I guess, program analyst. Mm-hmm. Um, slash, I guess, portfolio manager, um, doing that. And then for the past, what, year, year and a half now, um, still with DHS, but now while working within project management. You went from doing HVAC to yes. your bachelor's, and now you have your doctorate, and you're in cybersecurity. That's quite a journey. Um, what... what what, what first, what got you from HVAC to tech and cyber? I, so my, I, I guess my passion or love for IT and cyber was before military, before, um, you know, work within the government. Uh, it really started from my uncle um, from when I was young. He was, he was a, um, he did a lot of like tech repair, uh, PC repair. Um, so at the time he was living back in uh, Patterson, New Jersey and growing up. Uh, so he was my father's brother and, you know, growing up, you know, sometimes we, we would make, uh, I guess like little mini road trips from New York to Jersey to go visit. And I always enjoyed those trips because I always knew, you know, my uncle, he had all like PC parts all over the place. And, and I was like, and, you know, to me, I was like, man, I, I was just fascinated by it. And and I'm thankful that he had the patience to listen to my questions or take my questions or listen to me because I was very inquisitive. I, I did want to learn. And, you know, it really piqued my curiosity. And I think, again, it kind of goes to on making that point of how good leadership can have a, a positive impact or have a, a real significant impact on, on someone because, like I said, he – he was really my first uh, exposure into IT, into the IT world. And from that, he um, that led me to want to do, you know, tinkering with like uh, PCs, you know, taking them apart, working. I, I was even doing like PC repair. I like, do. I even started like my own little business, I guess, uh, doing like PC repair on the side. You know, I even created like my own work order sheet and everything. And, you know, just um but that, that helped me to develop my own skills. And, and before I even got into IT, I was still doing HVAC at the time, but I was still learning how to do IT because I, I just had that that love and passion for it and wanted to keep working and practicing um, uh, to, 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 get my, to make myself better. Um, so I hope well, that answers. Uh, comment from <laughs> Paul Cummings in, in the audience. Um, definitely explaining leadership over management and it sounds like you've had some great leaders and mentors in your career as you've grown within uh dhs 
what are some recommendations that you might have for um, vets or non-vets that are looking to join DHS and, and be part of the mission? Um, to join DHS with an IT? Yes. Or Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I give this advice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I give this advice to um, my mentees, those who I encounter, that those that are, are looking to uh, get into the field. Um, so especially specifically for those that do want to do IT or cyber within the government space. So I tell them, I think number one is to, you know, focus on your certifications because um, if you look on USA Jobs, I'd say 98% of those positions, they're requiring you to have uh, Security Plus um, minimum. Um, you, and, and I, and of course they have, may have other certs uh, depending on the position, but the, usually the common denominator is having that Security Plus. So I always tell people, those who I encounter say, hey, go for your security plus, at least get that. I also tell folks to also look to get your A plus as well, um, only because I think that gives a very good um, foundation, especially if you're like brand new in the IT, like really have no sort of um, experience or knowledge. I think having A plus is very is a good foundational uh, certification, or, or e even if you don't even get the cert, if you just study the books, that I, I think there's a lot of good material that, that can help you to build upon. But yeah, I, I mean, if you're gonna do that, you might as well just get the cert. But, um, and, and, and also too, cause, the, and there's always like the, I guess the, the longstanding debate of whether one should get degrees or certifications I, for, for myself, I'm the crazy one that went and got the doctorate, but that's only for, for myself, honestly. Uh, it was more of a personal challenge. It's not to say I went in to say, I want to get this doctorate so I can get this XYZ position. Uh, no, after I, finished my, I, I, after I finished my master's, which was in cybersecurity as well, I, um, I was kind of like hemming and hawing. I was like, man, should I go for the doctorate? And I had a comment, you know, during that whole indecision, I did have a conversation with my grandmother and she, she gave me very simple advice and, you know, that was enough for me to, to go and do it because I feel I would just be living in regret. Like, oh man, you know, if all this time passed, I would just looking back and say, oh man, you should, I would have been done already if I just started back then. So, um, but no, uh, I, I say to those that, you know, you're trying to get in, I would say, depending on if you're going private sector or, or government, if it's government, I say, you know, focus on those required certifications, uh, particularly, most likely it's going to be security plus. Um, and then also once, once you're in, take uh, take advantage of your training, um, training department for, you know, your first position that you get in and leverage them to say, hey, I, uh, you know, I, I see the certification or I see this degree program I like to do. Because as long, main thing is that, it has to be in alignment with your your duties or your job that it will get approved. Um, I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but from from what I've seen, that's usually what it will take the the criteria in order for um, certifications or any sort of program to be approved. As long as it's, it's it's in alignment with what you're doing, because now you're adding more value to your organization by getting more proficient uh, in this field. So. They see, you know, you, you're taking steps to to better yourself. 
and um and also you're contributing back back to the organization i don't see why they would say no and degrees really will help especially if you are trying to move up uh within the field so like especially um, if you're looking for leadership positions again the masters and maybe even the doctorate you know if you even if you let's say you know you want to be director or so, you know some sort of executive level position having having those degrees the higher level degrees will will definitely help your case but as far as getting in i would really just focus on certifications and of course getting that experience you know and there's a lot of low cost free uh, resources out there a lot, lot of um you know join a community join groups i prime example professor roger you know he he does a, a, a great work within his discord channel um you know his offerings and the time that he puts in you know doing uh, uh linux uh classes uh, security plus uh classes so i always you know refer to the people that help me and um you know great people like i said like professor roger who's doing great work for within the uh within the community wow that that that's great um with regards to preparing like a federal resume do you have any recommendations there because i know a, a federal resume is totally different than a, a commercial private sector resume a any recommendations on how to prepare there yeah i um th there i would say there's one person who i feel who has helped me uh her name is uh, janine wiggins she uh she definitely specializes in federal resume revamps, you know, um, helping get your resume to where it's, um, it, you're getting a uh, notice, you're, you're getting, uh, at least getting to the interview. And, and of course, from the interview on, you know, it's really on you after that, but no, um, you, I, I, I will not say that I'm a resume expert, so I, I'm not going to try to claim that. But I, I know there's, you know, great people like, like I said, uh, Mrs. Jeannie Wiggins. She, she's very helpful. Um, you can find her within LinkedIn as well. She does a lot of great work and and helping those, you know, trying to get your federal resume up to snuff and, um, you know, you know, get to the point where you can get that interview. So, you know, I will look for, you know, people like like her who who offer those services, especially for for federal resume uh, review and. Um, uh, modification uh, who can help get you to uh, the point you need to be um, as you're applying for these positions. And what are some of the, the differentiators? I mean, I know you're not a professional, but like for when she revamped your resume, like why, why is it so much different than the private sector ones? Oh, well, 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 I think I'm I'm biased when it comes to the government resume because you can go as long as you want. You know, the private sector resume they do you you know you have to try to stay within that two to three page. I, I don't know if three pages too long. Uh, you know, uh, but with government you know I, uh, government positions or government resumes, you know, there's really no limit. Um, and I, I, that's probably one of the biggest. Differentiators, because especially if you have a lot of, you know, a lot of experience, a lot of time that you've invested, you're going to have a lot to say. You're going to have a lot, you know, especially those who have that military background, too. You don't want to discount that, especially if it's relevant, if it's relevant experience. Yeah, you don't want to leave it off. Um, so it's that's probably the biggest difference between 
um, you know, uh, government resumes and private sector, private or public I guess, sector uh, resumes is the, the length. Um, you, you could really state your case in, in a government resume, whereas, you know, private or public sector resumes, you kind of, I feel you got to really skim everything down as much yeah. as possible. Uh, yeah, definitely. Two, two pages tends to be uh, the, the max that you would see unless you're in senior. I, I, you know, honestly, I don't even know how you do it because <laughs> for me, I couldn't, I have way too much stuff, man. <laughs> well, it, it's, it, I think it's about creating the stories. Like, um, what, what's a major situation that you tackled? Uh, what were the opportunities to resolve that situation? What actions did you take and what results did you generate? And creating those stories help, helps hiring managers show in a short period of time how, how you would tackle uh, one of their business problems. So, um, yeah, you, you, you squeeze in all the technology that you might have used and things like that to get the keywords um, from the job description. But, uh, yeah, it, it, is a ta- it, it is a talent as well. And there are folks yeah. that I help with um, prompting those resumes as well. Um, from from the, the, the pro- program management aspect of things, um, sh- share with our audience how that interacts with the different cybersecurity experts and um, what do you do on a day-to-day? Yes, so you're as from the I guess project management perspective, you you are you're, at least for, for for myself, you know, not necessarily doing the I guess uh, technical aspects each day. You're more so kind of looking back and seeing the overall um, operations of, of of a project, uh, working with different uh, different different teams. Um, for for myself. Uh, Particularly, I work more with the the risk management uh, piece of it. So I, I'm meeting on a regular basis, um, uh, weekly. You know, going over our risks. You know, going over our mitigation steps. Get an understanding of you know where we are. Wh- what are we doing to um, uh, remove any blockers? Anything that's that's really getting in the way. Making sure that we stay on schedule for the project, and if and if we're not, you know, we need to do um, schedule changes if need be, or you know, or re- request to get it uh, approved. Um, I-, I think also the big, biggest thing too is that you know, working with contractors as well. It, it, big part of it is relationships um, because it, it it can get testy. <laughs> it, it I've um, I've witnessed some. Uh, I'd say I, I'm not. I'm not saying it was coming to any fisticuffs, but you know, you, you could tell by the tone <laughs> that there's a little tension in the air. Um, especially, you know, if if things are not going as you know, you don't really have the desired results that you want for the project. Um, yeah, that yeah. You, I think it's almost natural that, you know, there is going to be some frustration and things of that. And a lot of times you're going to find people pointing fingers at each other and stuff like that, which, which is not good, but um, it happens. You know, I I know the book says one thing, but in in real world, it's, uh, it's a little different, but, uh, but no, you, you, you are trying to make the best of it. You are trying to really 
you you are trying to be professional and work with others. You know, you work with other groups. You know, contractors. It's not all, you know, all government. From from my cases, it's not all government employees. You are working with others that are, you know, government. I guess government contractors are working uh, towards uh, to, towards the project. So yeah, so um, you you are relying on others to do their part, do their job, and and um, and then you know. I, you make a daily, not daily, but I say consistent checks to make sure you are staying on track and, you know, keeping leadership uh, abreast of what's going on and giving them a realistic outlook of, of where things are going and getting their involvement if need be, you know, especially if we need, you know, extra money or we're not gonna, you know, m- stay on schedule or, or what have you, whatever the case is, you, you definitely need to make sure the leadership is involved and that, that they are aware of what's going on and who need their help that they can, you know, effectively step in and, and try to make any sort of uh, course correction. And how do you keep up with the changing technologies so that you're able to have these conversations with the stakeholders and you're not trying to pull the wool over your eyes? So, um, yeah, we do, at least for us, we, we use Microsoft Teams a lot. You know, you have to use like those type of technologies like that. I, I will say from when the pandemic started, or at least the um, maybe the shutdown portion of it, um, we, we as an organization, we were just trying to figure out like what to use because, uh, up to that point, you know, we, we did have, we were allowing um, people to work remote, not remotely, um, telework, maybe like once or twice a week or something like that. Um, but now when the pandemic hit, you know, everyone was working from home and it was a big adjustment. Everyone that, whether they were, you know, against remote work or whatnot, hey, this is what we deal with now because everyone has to remote, you know, work from home. So it kind of accelerated programs or accelerated um, ideals as far as, um, you know, get, get into where that we could work functionally. Um, so, so during that process, there was a bit of trying times where we were, we were using different software to figure out what, what worked best. We used uh uh, WebEx, we used, um, I don't know, there's a couple of other ones I, I, I can't quite remember now, but we finally landed on Microsoft Teams and kind of making those enhancements. Uh, you know, there's a lot of software updates we had to make, uh, ensuring that, also ensuring that the, the servers were, were stable enough for, for everyone to be, to be working from home on, on VPN. Um, so that, you know, that was a big change because we didn't have like the whole entire workforce working from home at one time. Um, and, and honestly, that was always something I really was, I, I was always a proponent of uh, remote work even before the, the shutdown happened. And, and this is kind of going back to my HVAC days because what, I guess one of the things that I was accustomed to, especially when I was at working at the VA, um, we would have, uh, shutdowns where we would shut the hospital down and um, 
run on the generator for at least about a couple of hours and just as, as a test to see how, you know, doing like stress tests to see how the hospital, making sure that the hospital could still run in the event of a real, you know, real world of, event if it goes down. And I always felt that we didn't have, we didn't have our stress tests to, to say like, to have everyone, you know, kind of, you know, work from home, you know, really try to stress out, you know, our servers, our resources, and to really have an accurate idea of, of where we are and what we need to do to improve. So we had to do that on the fly once the shutdown started. But I, I feel um, I, I feel we should have taken advantage of it before, like I said, the, the shutdown happened. But um, and, and, and again, it kind of goes back to those, you know, those difference of ideals, you know, what leadership didn't want or didn't really think much of a remote work or didn't like it. But it but then it's uh you get kind of caught i don't want to say your pants down i don't think that's the right term but the no you, you had to learn you, you had to learn very fast you yeah. know maybe faster than than anticipated because because now you're forced to do it as opposed to when you had the time or the luxury time to do it you know didn't take advantage of it so now you have to so it's it's a bit different but um things are pretty fairly stable now and it, it wasn't all that great at first, I, I'll admit. Nice, nice. Well, we have a question from, from the audience. Um, for transitioning vets, you nailed it, PM work. Um, would you suggest that they try to get their Sigma 6 program, or did you have do you have better recommendations for the PMP program? What would you recommend for them to buff up their, their PM work? I, I honestly, I, I so I haven't done the Six Sigma um myself um i don't see anything wrong with that though honestly um but definitely get getting into uh the pm pm world if that's what you want to do yeah definitely get into the pmp i also i've noticed a lot of folks you know getting the pmp also with their um i think it's a csm the scrum scrum master or yeah or yeah. cm i can't remember now yeah or certified certified scrub master CSM. There you go. Um, that I see a lot of people doing that, you know, coupling those, getting that good experience. Um, but but also depending, on, I guess, on the organization. Once you do understand what uh, methodology they're using, I think that will help best dictate as to what maybe you should focus on. It, it's almost like with, with IT certs, um, if if you're trying to do pen testing, you're not necessarily gonna uh, choose, uh, I don't know, cloud or, you know, or certification that doesn't really align with what you're trying to do. So, um, that I, I would say get an understanding of where the organization is, you know, where they are as an organization and then kind of cater your goals, cater your focus, uh, to that. So that way, you know, cause you know, I don't need to tell you, search costs money, man. So Absolutely. you don't want to waste time and money for search you're not going to use. So I think once you get that focus down, then kind of go on that path to where you're most effective. And from from your perspective, are uh, TPM or PM roles still considered stable? Uh, and if there's an economic downturn? Oh, yeah, I, I, I believe so. Okay. Um, yeah, project management, cyber, IT, you still need them. <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, we're approaching um, 
the end of our our session today if you had to think about your your path your journey and go back to when you were transitioning out of the military what one piece of advice would you give uh, to your younger self that you wish you had that's a great question man i i, I would say knowing I, I think if i had a better if i had a better idea of knowing that i was going to get out because like i said i had aspirations to stay but if I knew that I was going to get out, I probably would have started my IT journey earlier or started it within the military and maybe even making that transition, you know, doing IT work within within the military. Um, but yeah, but, but those that are in, you know, and, and those military members that are close to getting out or transitioning out, Definitely don't wait until like your last year. I would say give yourself at least two years or so. If you know that you're going to get out, this is like your last your last tour. Um, start making those adjustments. Start making those preparations, you know, early. Um, because I, I will say the, I think it's called the TAPS program. I, I'll be honest, it, it didn't help me at all. <laughs> It, it it just felt more like a uh, you know check on a box thing to say we gave you this briefing now you can separate you know like and it's almost like a liability they're covered as far as the military and then you can get out but yeah if you're really serious about like I said job preparation as far as getting out you know you definitely want to have a plan you know get have a good understanding of what you, what it is that you want to do. Um, before you before you separate, because I, I think once you get to that last year, it, it may be too late. I think you should be using that last year to, to really start applying and have something reserved waiting for you when it's time to get out. Um, I think a lot of people, I, I've had um, a fellow colleague, um, Dr. Lisa Marie Lee, uh, she's a, a you know military veteran as well. And, and, and one of the conversations that we've had, you know, a lot going back and forth as far as, you know, military veteran preparedness, you know, for, for the, for the workforce, you know, as they, as they transition it out, are they truly prepared? And um, it, it, it is something that at least from the time when I, when I got out, it, I didn't feel, I, I, TAPS didn't help me in my journey. So, oh. and if that's what it's there for, we, it does need improvement because it, it's really not, you know, um, it's not doing what it's intended to do. Well, thank, thank you for that. And, and that's one of the reasons that um, Paul Cummings and myself, we started the whole Cyberhuman initiative is really to, to help folks that are transitioning into cyber, provide right. that guided path for them. It's a nonprofit and we, we aim to, help individuals discover who they are and what they want to do and kind of have that path. So um, if you're interested, check it out. Uh, thank yeah. you, Dr. Joseph. Um, <laughs> Dr. Joe, um, <laughs> your, your link is in the description for those that want to follow um, Dr. Joseph. For those of you on LinkedIn, uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, connect with myself, connect with Dr. Um, Joseph and Professor Roger. For those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. And for those of you listening after the fact,
Uh, give us reviews. Give us five stars. Share us with all your friends and family. That way we can we have a diverse group of people um, joining cyber. Thank you all very much. Thank you. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.